When the world needed a hero, fate sent two heroes. Are the stories of a bizarrely dressed man walking around the streets of Chile looking like a supervillain true? <laughs> that might actually be true. But in this particular story, does he also play a flute? And then we travel to Pennsylvania to meet a family that lives on the outskirts of town way up on a mountaintop. They're just having a normal American life until the aliens invaded. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Down, down. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had a lot of fun in between listening to the last episode and listening to this episode. And if you happen to be binging them, I hope you had a really fun minute as you waited for the new episode to start. Speaking of fun minutes, he's really good at telling time, apparently, according to the segue. Let's give a shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Reese's Pieces. Everyone give him a round of applause. He's back. He used to support the Patreon a long time ago, and he's back just as delicious as ever. Now also holding a bunch of clocks, because that's his thing now, to make the original joke make sense. He walks in, he's juggling clocks, he's riding a tricycle, all the wheels are clocks. Reese's Pieces, and he's made of candy. Reese's Pieces, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon, or you guys aren't as delicious. It's fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Reese's Pieces, let's go ahead and hop in the Dead Rabbit Dirgeable. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Jakarta, Indonesia. This story is fascinating to me that we're about to cover. Because it's one of those things. Recently, I did a story, and I go, hey... It was about the Army Hammer thing. If you didn't know, Army Hammer, famous celebrity. He's also a cannibal, allegedly. He denies it, but his DMs seem to make it look like he's a cannibal. And apparently his ex has come forward and said, don't look in the basement. Because apparently, and allegedly, he would buy mannequins. This, <laughs> this story's just so weird. He'd buy mannequins so he could practice tying them up allegedly still that's weird but anyway so and my thing about that story was why is no one in the conspiracy community talking about a hollywood dude who wants to eat people and i couldn't figure it out i said maybe it was the election we have this other story that should be huge news in the covid conspiracy group this should actually be they should make flags of these people. They should hire a renaissance painter, go back in time, kidnap Leonardo. They should hire a guy to draw a mural dedicated to these two people. This event that I'm about to tell you shatters the mainstream media's view on the coronavirus. It also gets this channel demonetized and this video removed, but I totally believe in the coronavirus. I believe it's real. COVID-19, I'll get my vaccine. But I know there's a lot of people out there who don't feel that way. A lot of people out there think it's overblown, it's a hoax, and I don't understand why this story... Is on, on all of their websites. All of them. Let me read you this headline from The Sun. You know you're going to get a good headline when I'm reading it from The Sun. Rona Romp. Nurse suspended. Army Hammer's like, from rope? Is the nurse suspended from rope? No, 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 no. Suspended from the job. Nurse suspended after stripping off PPE, which is the personal protective gear. I have to stop and keep cracking jokes into finding words. Nurse suspended after stripping off PPE, to have sex with COVID-infected patient in hospital toilet. So what happened was there's a nurse 
walks in to take care of this patient in Jakarta, Indonesia. This was at the Wisma Atlet Emergency Hospital. Sure, I'm sure they love this story getting out there. They have a COVID ward, and then they have the rest of the hospital. And you have this nurse. We don't know his name. We'll call him Jerry. He's walking through the ward. He's wearing all of his PPEs, like the headline said. You kind of know where this story's going. I don't know why I'm building it up. I don't know why I'm building up the dramatic tension. I'm all, will he? The, the end of the story is he bangs this dude who is a patient at the COVID facility. And the guy that he's having sex with takes photos of it. Well, it doesn't take photos of the act itself, but takes, <laughs> for lack of a better term, evidence. Takes photos of, like, their clothes on the ground, like the PPE gear on the ga- ground, and I imagine he's, like, putting emoticons, being like, sexy, and cough, cough, a little coughing, happy face. They have sex in the hospital toilet. Now, this guy, this nurse, knows that the patient has COVID-19. He's in the COVID ward. It's not like he was there for a car accident and then got diagnosed later. But apparently, I don't know if they matched up on Grinder or something like that, and the location thing was all bing, bing, and he turns and he looks, and it's the COVID ward. He bangs this dude. Now, there's two parts to this story. I mean, other than that, other than the, the COVID sex. One, in Indonesia, they have these really strict anti-pornography laws. So because the guy was taking photos and being like, ooh la la, me had sexy time in the hospital, they're both facing 10 years in prison. It's like decency laws. So now there's an emoticon of a sad, smiley face behind jail bars. Like, I don't understand. you. If you're in that country, you should know the laws. But they're both facing 10 years in prison for this. And the, 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 that, that's just a human tragedy. That's an overblown thing. That's an overblown sentence for that. But this is what the real kick in the pants is. That's what the, this is what the real pull on the catheter is. The guy has COVID. The nurse goes in. They have sex. The nurse was tested, was not COVID positive. The The guy who was in the ward still had COVID after the sex. That didn't cure it. That wasn't a cure that was being promoted on some health site. Darkoutpost.com's like, if you have man-on-man sex, your COVID will go away. No, they didn't say that. That was just a joke, because I don't know how litigious they are. But it wasn't that. The, the guy who had COVID still has COVID. But the guy who had hot, sweaty, hospital toilet sex with him did not catch COVID. So, guys, I don't understand why this is not a rally cry. Again, I know that COVID's far more complicated than that, and I do believe it's real. However, there are a lot of people who don't. Why aren't they talking about this story? Why aren't they saying, hey, man, why are I going to wear my mask at Walmart? Two dudes had butt sex in Indonesia, and they didn't get it? Well, one of them did, but he already had it. But I can't buy grapes? I can't buy grapes at Walmart? What is this? I'm not saying that's a valid argument. I want to be very, very clear to the person who's going to delete this video. I'm not saying that is a valid argument. What I don't understand is why they're not making that argument. Why is it that I can't eat inside a Taco Bell, but these two dudes can roll around on a dirty hospital floor, and one of them gets up and just goes home? He's totally fine. So, I, I don't understand it. I actually, this was one of those stories that I sat on for a while. No pun intended. And I thought... I thought there are, someone's going to start talking about this. So this is going to be big in the conspiracy theory community because all of those reasons I gave. But nope. So hopefully these guys don't do 10 years. That's super stiff. Again, no pun intended. And they didn't even take photos of the sex act. It was just like photos of like, apparently the guy was tweeting about how 
uh, big their genitals were. <laughs> he was like, mine was definitely bigger. He was bragging. There was no like actual sex stuff shown, but that was enough. Indonesia said, no, 10-year prison sentence for both of you. It was gross to have sex with a COVID-infected person inside of a hospital, but I don't think that's... I don't think being gross should get you 10 years in prison. Uh, Reese's Pieces has already taken off the dead rabbit dirigible. He's like, no, get your own ride. And sorry, it was disgusting. I'm sorry I joined the Patreon again. We coax him back. We have a giant Flava Flav clock that we're going to put around his neck. Reese's Pieces, let's put you at the helm of the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought, our massive battleship. We're leaving behind the island nation of Indonesia. We are headed out to Chile. That's the boat going over the waves. Did you guys see that trailer for that new movie? Godzilla vs. Kong. So as Reese's Pieces is piloting the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought, he is taking us out to the country of Chile. Specifically, we're going to the city of Vina del Mar. It's a coastal city, so the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought pulls right up to the port. We all jump off. We're magically wearing tourist clothes. And we're going to Valparcio. That's the commercial section of the city. So everyone get your cameras ready. Click, click. We're like, oh, look at Macy's. Click, click. Look at McDonald's. I'm <laughs> running in there. I'm eating food. Oh. We're having a good time at uh, Valpasario. But then we hear a... And we all kind of turn around at the same time. I don't think he's a scat man. But we hear a song being played on a recorder. We turn around and we're looking for the sound of a recorder and we see it. It's a man playing a recorder. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not a mystery at all. Usually there's people playing recorders. Aha, but hold on. This man looks like a supervillain. A really, really, really low budget supervillain. He's dressed in rags. Now, not like Tom Sawyer rags, like jeans that are a little roughed up and he's patches. No. He's wearing a rag over his head. And then he's wearing like a rag jacket. Just rags and then rag gloves. And then like he's just he's just a big old rag. It's hard to describe. It looks like somebody threw a bunch of dirty rags out of a window and they just landed on someone. You'd really have to look at a picture of him and it's kind of hard to do a podcast where you talk about pictures. There's more to the narrative than just what he looks like. But he looks like a, a villain. He looks like a henchman in like a, some 80s cartoon or something like that. He just looks like a villain. He looks like a, a terrible person to hang out with. Because nobody likes hanging out with a rag man, right? He has rag shoes. How do you even have... Are those even shoes at that point? They're just rags wrapped around your feet? He's all rags all the time. But he has three holes cut in his mask. And he, for his eyes and his mouth. Obviously, how else is he supposed to play the recorder? Now, you may think, Jason, is this some creepypasta that you found? There's no guy walking around who's made of rags in Chile. There is. There's actually photographs of this dude. And not like blurry photographs that someone took. Just a pile of rags laying on the ground. They're like, hey, Jason, love your show. Here's a pile of rags in my bathroom. I think it's a dude. He puts a recorder next to the pile of rags. No, this guy has been hanging out in Chile for the longest time. He's there almost every day. And he sits there and he plays as a recorder. Now, he does talk, but apparently there's no audio footage of him talking. But he does speak. To people, usually when dogs show up, he hisses at them. He doesn't like dogs. <laughs> the dogs run away. He does that, and 
sometimes he'll just walk around following people. Very, very unsettling man to be followed by. Anyone playing a recorder obviously has some sort of mental issues. And he's also all dressed in rags, so it makes it even creepier. And sometimes he just isn't playing music. He'll just stand on the street corner staring into space. Now, it's interesting because he's real. This is a real guy there's photos of. He'd be similar to the Catman of Grenock, who we, it's like kind of a local legend, but he's real. It'd be similar to Aki in Britain, who uh, was climbing on top of muscle people. You're like, what? That's totally bizarre out of context. I'll put those in the show notes, but just kind of weird local people. So, of course, people make up origin stories for this guy, because even though he talks, he doesn't really explain things. So some people say that it's a fictional character, not that he doesn't exist. You're like, damn it, Jason, no, 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 no. Not that he doesn't exist, but it's a gimmick the homeless people have come up with. Some people say it's a homeless, it's like a group of homeless people who are switching, because he's not playing the recorder good. Let's just get that out of the way. Don't go down there if you want to hear a concert. He sucks at it. He's playing a children's instrument. Sorry, professional recorder players, but it's a children's instrument. It's made of plastic, okay? I don't even know if there are professional recorder players, but I'm sure there is one. At least one. This guy, this guy. So they think it may be different hobos in disguise. Hey, Larry, let me wear the rags today. What? No, these rags, these are my rags. You go get your own rags. They're free. I mean, they're just rags. You don't need any special rags. Some people say that's that. Some people say it's a guy who's hideously deformed, and what better way to take attention away from your deformity than to cover yourself in filthy rags, right? Just wear a business suit. Everyone will be like, hey, you look really good, because you're wearing a business suit. Some people say it's just a street artist looking for some street cred. It's like a Banksy, but smellier, (laughs) and playing a recorder. But there are other origin stories involving him. This is the most colorful one. A long time ago. Not like not like ancient times. This guy isn't some sort of vengeful recorder spirit. He's like, uh, call my instrument a child's thing, will you? I'll last a thousand years on the streets of Chile. No. A long time ago, you know, 30 years ago, there was a man. We'll call him Johnny Rags. Johnny Rags had two beautiful children. A little boy and a little girl. And then one day, Johnny Rags was just working out the rag factory. He fell in with a vat of rags. He's like, no, that would even be a better story. He's working at the rag factory, and his daughter is murdered. Ah! And he just can't console himself. He's like, oh, no. And the son's like, sorry, Dad. He's like, no, I don't like you as much. My daughter was my favorite. So in his rage and misery, I'm reading this quote here. In his rage and misery, he set his house on fire with him and his son inside. I told you he didn't like the son. I told you. He's like, oh, I wish my daughter was here. He sets the fire with him and his son inside. It says, for some reason, he was the only survivor. So now he roams the streets playing the flute his daughter used to own. So... I mean, I, to, to be fair, I didn't look up I didn't look up structure fires in that city in Chile from 1972 to 2012. I didn't verify that. I'm sure some houses burned down, and I'm sure people were burnt up in them. And people go, you're like, Jason, you're just cracking all these jokes, and you're saying now it might be true. Well, I'm sure that chain of events happened, but we don't know if this guy is actually that dude. I... I, I we don't know. It's probably not true. Now, to be fair, they do say that the recorder is a popular instrument in Chile for kids to play, and also in America. It's possible, but again, there's no verification for that. That really sounds so overly dramatic. 
first off, he'd be in jail, right? You can't set your house on fire because you're boo-hoo-hooing it, and you kill your son, and then you get all horribly burned. Actually, it doesn't even say that in there. It just says he set the house on fire with him and his son in sight, and then he is, he was the only survivor. He, did his just clothes get burned? And he's like, ooh, slightly singed pants. I'm going to become a crazy homeless person. Whereas the implication, he got horribly burned. But anyways, he'd be in jail. He'd be in jail for that. So the I, I think that's made up. The guy's real. But I think what we see so often on this show, they'll have a real phenomenon, and then people make up a backstory for it. I like the suggestion that the hobos are using this as a gimmick and they're alternating it. Because that's pretty snazzy, right? They just have one suit of rags. Do you know how smelly that would be? Multiple hobos wearing the same clothes? That's the. I think that's the most likely scenario. But... You, if you live in Chile, you are allowed to, you are allowed, I'm giving you permission, find this guy. He's still doing it, apparently. I don't know if he's doing it this minute, but when I researched this story a couple months ago, he was still out there playing the recorder. So if you're ever in Chile and you hear the sound of a recorder, and you look around and there's no kids to be found, keep looking, keep looking. If anyone asks, say, I'm looking for kids, I'm looking for kids, and they're like, what, you lunatic? But if you don't find any kids... You might run into a man wearing rags. And if so, just ask him, did you murder your son? And he'll either either beat you to death or, dude, what if he bites you? You're like, no, no. And then you, your skin becomes rags. And then he he gives you a recorder too. He has a brand new one he bought from Walmart. You're like, oh man. And then you have to stand on the street corner and go, and then he makes you find your own corner because that's his city. He gets that money. Don't get bit by the rag man. Of Chile. Reese's Pieces is like, I wasn't even planning on going there to get bitten by the ragman of Chile. Reese's Pieces, I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this town. We've lost a couple of loyal Dead Rabbit listeners. They've never not ragged people. We're not letting them back on the copter. They're like, uh, uh, trying to grab on. Take up. Go, 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 go. Get the carpenter copter out of here. We are leaving behind our loyal listeners. But by the time we make it to our new destination, they're cured, and I sent them tickets. They can just fly, coach on an airplane. They've come to join us. I'm not going to leave. No rag left behind. But you can't fly with me. You can't fly with me. We're now in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's June 22nd, 1972. Land that carpenter copter. We're in... We're on a mountaintop. So apparently there's a mountaintop on the outskirts of Williamsport, and there lives a family of four. You got a mom and a dad and two boys. The youngest kid, we're going to call him Billy. He's the narrator of this story. He's sitting there. It's 1972, so he's probably playing with Howdy Doody or something stupid. And his older brother, Nick, is outside with the shotgun. I got one, Dad, Nick says. Two more for the kitchen. Billy's like, what? What's going on in there? Nick is out there. This is dope. I wish I could do this. Nick is out there with a shotgun shooting bats, dude. You know how hard it would be to shoot a bat? Like, those dudes must be hella hard to hit because their wings are so tiny. Plus, they suck your blood and turn into Dracula. You'd have to use wooden bullets. Like, it'd be it'd be an adventure to have to go out. And to be fair, I don't think they were eating them. I don't know where the two, two of the kitchen came from. They're not hillbillies. They live on a mountaintop, so they're mountain billies. But... He's shooting, he's shooting bats. And then 
The family goes, oh, is he going to make us eat bats again? That lunatic? What's he thinking? We don't eat bats. He keeps saying, two more for the kitchen. We have food. We have a Kroger nearby. We go to the supermarket. Then they then they hear Nick screaming for help. Ah, ah, guys, get out here, get out here. They think Dracula has come back. The family runs outside, and they see Nick standing there with the shotgun, and they see... A cigar-shaped object flying through the clouds. Now, it's moving very slow for a UFO. They estimate it's between 5 to 10 miles per hour. It's 30 to 40 feet long, but only 8 feet in diameter. And, you know, they just kind of go, kind of shrug their shoulders. Like, that was weird, right? Now, they are all heavily armed. At any point, they probably could have went out there. But I think the dad was probably like, now kids... That's probably not a good idea. It's probably some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. Let's not go out there. Let's just, let's not. Let's, let's, let's pick up these bats and feed them to the dog. And Nick's like, oh, man. A couple days later, Dad goes to use the outhouse. Now, I originally <laughs> I said they weren't hillbillies, but they do have an outhouse. Their, their toilet is not built into their house. So he's walking out there with a newspaper and an old corn cob to wipe his butt. He's walking out to the outhouse. And then he walks back in. And everyone's like, that's weird. Dad usually takes way longer to defecate defecate in the outhouse. He's normally reading the paper. He walks back in and he goes, Nick, grab your shotgun. Nick's like, what? We're going to get more bats? Nick grabs the shotgun. Dad walks over and he grabs a 50 caliber flintlock rifle. He's like, let's go. They walk outside. Now, at this point, the mother, who I assume is armed with like dual pistols, And then the little brother, Billy, they walk out on the porch as well. And as the dad and Nick are standing there, in the woods, about 100 yards away, there's a forest. They're looking into the forest, and they see hundreds of sets of glowing green eyes staring back at them. Now, no shots are fired. They just watch these eyes from 100 yards away. There's no movement on that side as well. The family fitfully sleeps that night next night dad is watching a little bit of television brand new episode of mash he doesn't know what's gonna happen it is not in reruns in 1972 he's watching mash his rest of his family's asleep and then he goes oh man you know what i really have to do right now i have to go use that outhouse i didn't get to use it yesterday because all the green eyes but i gotta use it now so he gets up he can't pause it. He actually has to get up during a commercial break that's how it was when i was a kid you don't know if you're gonna be able to poop quick enough to come back and watch the rest of the mash, he walks outside, and then the family is woken up by him yelling, get the guns, get the guns! So Nick runs, grabs a shotgun, the rest of the family comes out, the mom gets her rocket launcher, they come out onto the porch, 50 yards away from the house, is a little grove of peach trees, a little shed, there's a stone wall closer to the house so they're looking over this stone wall to see this grove of peach trees to see this shed but what they see standing in the peach trees is three sets of glowing eyes now these eyes are actually bigger than the ones they saw before and they're not bigger because they're closer they're actually physically bigger they could tell that even in the distance those were small creatures whatever they were it's a very big creature. There's only three of them now, and they said the eyes are all sitting about three feet off of the ground. And they're watching these eyes. 
they're watching back. Now, at this point, Dad's like, listen, okay, the last time is kind of spooky. That We should have done something with the cigar shape. I, he, we should have moved out of the area. But he wants to know what these things are. So he actually goes around the wall, and he gets to his pickup truck. He drives his truck towards the peach grove. Now, his intent isn't to, like, run him over. His intent is to see what they are. So he turns on his high beams, and you still can't see anything. You can see the eyes, but he can't make out what these figures are. Nick's ready with his shotgun. He's standing by the stone wall with his shotgun. Billy and the mom are still on the patio. And the dad gets out of the truck, has his 50 caliber flintlock rifle, and begins walking towards the eyes. And at that point, the mother screams, Don't. Stop where you are. Don't get near him. And the dad looks over at the mom. He nods. Mother knows best, right? <laughs> That's what the show is, right? Mother knows best. He looks at her. He nods, and then he aims, takes him with his rifle, and opens fire on these eyes. Without any order needed, Nick also begins just letting loose with his shotgun from over the stone wall, shooting at these eyes. They're hitting these three sets of eyes from two different angles. The eyes don't move. They just continue to stare from the darkness some point the family i don't know runs out of ammo or they just get bored or the commercial breaks over on mash the eyes don't give but they eventually just kind of pack it up and they go well let's go inside i, I, I that's an interesting point because on one hand you would think it would would you stay out there all night looking into the eyes or at a certain point would you go back inside because if you get cold or bored or you think maybe i'm just seeing something like you would think the eyes would disappear first but there's no note in the story like they shot him and the eyes vanished the eyes were still there but they do end up back inside the house the next night it's not time to use the outhouse i'm sure at this point dad is pooping during the day but he does look out the window and the eyes are back this time there's three sets of eyes and they're three feet off of the top of the stone wall they're now maybe 15 yards from the house. Dad and son, they probably have their guns ready. They probably didn't even put them away for the night before. They grab their weapons. They step out on the porch. They just begin unloading into these eyes. These unmoving sets of eyes that are standing on top of this stone wall. The dad actually walks up and places the rifle right between the eyes. And pulls the trigger. The eyes don't move but they never returned after that night after they emptied all their ammo into these things after these point blank shots the eyes never got closer to the house i got that story from think about it docs.com they got it from new fork which is the national ufo reporting center it's an interesting story because you have humans engaged in a firefight with eyes and not just eyes not just eyes that are rolling around on the ground eyeballs but alien or so the the fact that we see the ufo in the beginning makes us think these are aliens the fact that they're three feet off the ground makes you think it's some sort of gray alien as i was telling the story and reading the story i imagined them as the typical big teardrop eyes that gray aliens have but glowing there's a lot of interesting stuff that we can really dissect with this one where what happened to the hundreds of eyes in the forest what was that and then, of course, we have the skeptical thing, too. I, I got to throw this in there, that it was f not that the story was made up, but that they were seeing some sort of phenomenon. The guy is shooting at a bunch of uh, fireflies that are floating around, and they all happen to form. They, they form a fist, and they're shaking. It's fisted them. You know, it could have been a natural phenomenon, and that would explain why the bullets were having no effect on him. That's why they weren't changing. 
when they're being fired upon because it's just this natural event. But looking at it from a paranormal event, you know, I, I do like to put the skeptical answers in here as well. Looking at a paranormal event, why were there hundreds of eyes to begin with and then just the three? What happened to those other sets of eyes? Did they go out to investigate other homes in the area? Why did the aliens only get so close to the house and retreat and they were never seen again? Did they eventually, was it that they weren't seen again? It was that the next time they were looking out their windows and they go, we haven't seen those eyes in a couple days. But they don't realize these creatures are in the house, underneath the stairs, underneath the bed. (laughs) They're basically the boogeyman. Every alien just wants to come down and be the boogeyman in your house. Grab your ankles as you're walking down the stairs in your basement. But I think it's a fascinating story because it gives us an insight to something. We'll wrap it up like this. All that dad really wanted to do was protect his family and protect his land. This was a place that him and his family called their own. should be a safe spot. And when this intruder shows up, they do what you would do to protect your place. You, you, you attack them. But the bullets had no effect. These aliens were completely undaunted. Really, the fact that they were getting shot at didn't affect them. They simply got closer and closer and closer. They didn't care. All these weapons that we use to shoot bats and dogs and bears. I don't know who's shooting a dog, but these weapons that are used to kill animals and men had no effect on these creatures. And as I finished that story, I kind of sat back and thought, this could be a parallel to what humanity is facing. This family in Pennsylvania saw a phenomenon that was sets of glowing eyes staring at them from the darkness of the forest. But humanity may soon experience a different phenomenon. We may see the lights of a thousand starships staring back at us from deep space. And as the governments of the world try to figure out a way to protect us, to protect this planet, they'll turn to the one thing humans know best. Weapons. And as we stand there and watch the world's militaries fire their missiles, watch these advanced weapon platforms shoot out of silos across the planet and streak through the night sky towards the alien invaders, will we see them impact these starships and tear through them in fire and flame? Or will all of our weapons be as useless as an old man's rifle and his son's shotgun? When the aliens show up, do we stand a chance? That's a question we won't know until it's too late to change the answer. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. Glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.